Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, we are at the third and final week of a series called Bless the Mess. Uh, we all know that life can be messy. There are ups and downs in lives. You don't, in our lives, you don't need to live for a very long time to know uh, that all kinds of things come into our lives. Messes that sometimes we ourselves create. Sometimes they are messes that are thrust upon us that we don't have any control over. Uh, regardless, all of us know that life sometimes can be messy. Uh, there can be big messes. They can be small messes. Sometimes uh, the messes that we find in our lives are financial messes. They can be relational messes. Uh, they can be a parenting mess. They can be a work mess, all different kinds. Um, some of you have had a mess recently. Some of you are in the middle of a mess. Some of you might be about to walk into a mess. Uh, regardless, it's something that none of us can avoid, uh, understanding what does it mean to walk with God through messes in our lives. Uh, and when it comes to having messes in our lives, there's one thing uh, that we all have in common, and that it's that we all have messes in our lives. And when we're real about that in church, it means that church is a place where it's okay to be okay. When we recognize that each one of us, it's okay to not be okay. When we recognize that each one of us, no one is exempt from having messes in our lives. It excludes us from, from judging other people and saying, oh, look at that person, their life is in such a mess because we recognize that actually I've got messes in my life as well. And it means that when we come to church, this can be a safe place where it is okay not to be okay. One of the uncomfortable things about having messes in our lives is that there's a sense of dissonance about it. Uh, if you think about music, uh, you've got, which is a lovely theme for this morning, uh, you've got when the notes are played nicely together, you have this thing called harmony. Everything kind of feels right, everything's lovely. But when the notes are played in a way that's not a very nice arrangement, you've got, basically you've got this thing called dissonance. There's a tension, there's an uncomfortableness about it that you just want resolved so that you've got harmony. And it's a bit like that when we have a mess in our life. There's something about it that's just not quite right, that doesn't feel resolved, uh, that doesn't feel, um, doesn't feel good. And so when there's a mess in our life, we have a sense that this is not as this situation ought to be. And we want to find a way to, to resolve the dissonance, to resolve the tension so we can have harmony and peace in our lives. We know when things are out of tune. When I was in high school, I did a lot of singing and I was in the choir and our choir master, whenever we would uh, sing poorly, he, or maybe he just had very high standards, which he did, uh, he would tell us, start again, it's a dog's breakfast. And so we were like, okay. And so we'd sing again. And it, so that was his way of saying, it's a mess, it's a dog's breakfast. And so sometimes I think we look at our lives and we say, oh my gosh, my life is a dog's breakfast. It's a mess, it's out of tune. Um, and regardless of what kind of mess our lives might be in, regardless of how we feel about the messes in our lives, regardless of whether you can control it or not, the one thing that you can control is how you respond to, to the mess. You can control how you respond to it. Now, often our response to having dissonance in our lives, having tension in our lives, having a mess in our lives, things as they uh, ought not be, is to try to sort it out ourselves, Right? We sweep into action, I'm going to sort out this mess. We try to transform the mess in our lives. We can't handle the dissonance and so all of our energy goes into resolving it, finding some harmony, trying to transform the mess instead of seeking God in the mess in order that he might transform us. Does that make sense? We throw all our energy and our focus into transforming the mess instead of seeking God that he might transform us through the mess. It's very easy to get single-minded about resolving the messes in our lives and to let go of God in order to focus on it, right? 
Oh, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to connect group because I just need to focus on my relationship right now. I'm not praying at the moment because I just need to focus on my finances. I just need to focus on my career. I just need to focus on my family. And so I'm just going to leave God to the side for now because I just need to focus on getting this mess right, on resolving this mess. And so I'll leave God to the side and I'll deal with it myself. Now, there's a few reasons that we do this. Either we have this attitude where we say, no, it's okay, God, I've got this. I've got this. I'll deal with it on my own. I don't need your help for this one. Or sometimes I think we're too afraid to reach out for God in case we might be disappointed, in case he doesn't make a difference in our lives. And sometimes it just happens, right? Just insidiously happens. We find ourselves in this place where we've let go of God and we're no longer walking closely with him because we've wanted to try to, in some way, sort out this mess on our own without God. And so this morning what we're going to talk about is how do we Seek God in a mess in such a way that he can use the mess to transform us and in many cases transform the mess itself rather than leaving God to the side in our, uh, our endeavours to try to sort out the mess ourselves. Now the history of God's relationship with us as humanity is this. Uh, he is a God who, um, or we as humanity, got ourselves and our world into a great mess uh, through our pride and our selfishness. But God, in his kindness, stepped into humanity when he became a human being in Jesus, stepped into humanity and into the mess of humanity in order to lift us up out of the mess and clean us up. That's the history of God's relationship with us. That's to bring you up to speed. Now he's still the same God today. <laughs> which means that he still steps into our messes. He's still present in our messes. He's still present in the tension. He's present in the dissonance. And that's where we find him. And so the problem of letting go of God in order to sort out the mess on your own is that the one who has the power to, to transform you and to transform the mess is in the mess. And so if you leave him, you're essentially leaving the one who has the power to transform things. Does that make some sense? There has to be a better way of doing this. The more we try to manage it on our own, the further we find ourselves away from him and his power to transform us through the mess. And so it can feel counterintuitive, uh, but clinging to God through the mess is the only way to be transformed by it. So how do we do this? Thankfully, there are some truths that we can cling to. And sometimes when you're in the middle of a mess, particularly if it's a big, all-consuming one, uh, all that we can do sometimes is strap ourselves to a mast of some truths and cling on for dear life or let those truths cling on to you, let God cling on to you. So I'm simply just going to give us a couple of truths today to cling on to, things that we can strap ourselves to in order that we might stay close to Jesus, be held by him and, and, and therefore transformed through the mess. What I love about our passage for today that Susie read for us is that the writer, Paul, was in the middle of a great mess when he was writing this passage. So he knows what he's talking about. He was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians, wrote this letter to the, to the Christians in Philippians, the church that he had founded. Um, he wasn't planning on being in prison. It wasn't part of his grand plan to end up in prison writing to the Philippian church. But what he did in finding himself in this mess was his, he clung to God and he watched God not only transform him, but also transform this messy situation of being in prison into something beautiful. The whole prison guard came to, well, he pointed the whole prison guard to Jesus. They came to see Jesus and the beauty of who he is. People in the prison started to, to, um, to dare to point other people to Jesus. God took this messy situation and transformed it as Paul clung to God in the midst of it. 
So if there's anyone who can teach us about leaning into God in the tension, leaning into God in the dissonance and letting him transform you through it, it is this guy, Paul. So I want to give you just two things today to cling to, um, to stay near Jesus, to let him transform you through the mess. Two things. The first is this, there is meaning in the mess. And the second is this, there is movement to the mess. There's meaning in the mess and there's movement to the mess. Firstly, there is meaning in the mess, a.k.a. God is up to something. Have a look at verses 3 to 6 with me. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As I mentioned, Paul here is writing to the Christians in Philippi who he knew. He'd spent time there sharing the gospel, talking to them about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus there. Uh, and they have become partners with him in the business of pointing people to Jesus. That's the Christian vocation, right? To point people to Jesus. That's our lives. And so having experienced the work of God in his own mess in prison, Paul then writes to encourage these believers in Philippi who inevitably, like all of us, would have had messes in their lives. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, shake, shake, shake it off. He doesn't say, you've got this. He doesn't say, stay strong. He doesn't say, hustle, all the things that encourage us to do things in our own strength. The foundation for his message to the Philippians is that he's confident in God. He's confident that God, who began a good work in them, will carry it on to completion until Jesus Christ returns. He doesn't start, God's a finisher. He doesn't start things and not finish them. His confidence has little to do with the Philippians and everything to do with who God is. Because he has experienced how it is God who transforms us through the messes in our lives, not us who transforms our messes. It's God's active presence with us, with, the, with Paul, with the Philippians and with us that makes the difference and it's not hard work. Although hard work, as we know, is often needed in order to partner with God as he transforms our messes. But ultimately, it's about the power of God. Now, why is Paul able to experience this transforming activity of God? Why is he able to encourage the Philippians to hold to the truth that there's meaning in the mess? Firstly, I think fundamentally, Paul is able to trust God in order to lean into him because he's learned what God is like. You're not going to want to lean into a God that you don't believe is good, right? He's learned what God is like. Firstly, what we learn from this passage is that he has learned that God is actively present with him. He's doing a good work here, that he who began a good work in you, God is present. He is doing a good work in us. He's carrying out a work in Paul, in the Philippians and in you, you and I. He's also learned that God is faithful. There's no day in your life that you don't walk, that God doesn't walk by your side. He finishes what he starts. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on your life. You're not in his too hard basket and you never will be. There's nothing in your life that puts you beyond the reach of the grace of God, of the work of God in your life. He won't stop until he's finished making you new. There's nothing that's too big for him and there's nothing that's going to put him off you. There's nothing that he's going to get to a certain depth in your life and then be like, oh, no, okay, I'm not going, not going there. That's a bit too much for me. There's nothing that's, and he's going to run in the opposite direction. There's nothing that's going to put him off. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. 
So Paul has learned that God is actively present and faithful, but he's also learned, have been transformed by his experience of this active, faithful presence of God. And this is the way that he has been transformed by the presence of God with him in the midst of his mess. He's learned that you can have joy in the midst of a mess. Have a look at verse 4. It says that he always prays with joy for the Philippians. This is a guy who's in mess in prison. He always prays with joy. That's what the work of God in the midst of the mess has done in him. It's produced joy. He's also been transformed in such a way that he's able to be loving in the midst of the mess. This passage is full of affectionate language from Paul to the Philippians. He is full of love. In fact, the love of Christ has so transformed Paul's character that he says that his heart beats with the love of Jesus, or words to that effect. He's been so transformed with, with the love of God. In verse 7, he says, It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And in verse 8, God can testify how, lo- how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. The love of Jesus has so become the centre of Paul's character as Paul has leaned into him in the midst of the mess and the tension of the mess that Jesus' love has become the centre of his character and his very heartbeat. This is this transforming power of the mess as Paul has leant into God rather than leaning away from him. And he's also learned that he can persevere in the midst of a mess because God perseveres with him. This is not a hustling, leaning on your own strength type perseverance. This is a perseverance that rests on the perseverance of God with him. And the same for us. We are able to persevere through the trials and messes in our lives because our God perseveres with us. He never lets us go. He's faithful. So Paul has been transformed to have joy and to be loving and to persevere through the mess. What we believe about who God is is enormously, enormously important for whether we're going to stick with him through a mess. Some of you know a bit of my story. I um, was at Bible college for a number of years, um, for five and a half years. It took me to go through my study because I was working part-time and studying part-time. And then after that, I thought, uh, then straight after that, I thought I'll get a job in a church and work as a pastor. And I'd been feeling called to that for about a decade and, um, and finished Bible college and then I worked in marketing for a couple of years because God just didn't open up the right opportunity for me to serve him and his people in a church. And so I got a fair, got maybe like a year through that season and I just thought, what is going on? I've been felt called to this for a decade. I'm working in marketing, selling, pr- like promoting books about tax, which is <laughs> like... A, it's just so strange and I'm like, if you know me, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not interested in tax in any way, shape or form. Like, God, what is going on? There is no sense of, I can't feel any sense of forward movement. I can't feel any sense of drive. I had such a sense of purpose before and direction. And I'm just sitting here promoting tax books. Like, what is going on? My life is in a mess. I just, I, I, where, where are you leading me, God? What is going on? And I got to this point where I thought, God, are you just, I had to really think about what I believed about who God was or who I believed God to be. And I got to this decision point and I thought, do I actually want to follow God forward? Is he a God who just sets me up to fail? I thought, I'm not going to lean into this God in the midst of a mess if he's a God who sets me up to fail. If he's a God who is not faithful, if he's a God who is not good, if he's a God who doesn't have my best interests at heart, I don't want to lean into him. I don't want to follow him. And so through a process of uh, wrestling with him and struggling with him, 
I, I, I changed my belief system effectively. I said, no, I don't believe that that's who God is from what I can read historically about Jesus and from what I read in the scripture and from what I've experienced and from what I've seen in other people's lives. I don't believe that God is a God who sets me up to fail. I don't believe that God is a God who does not have my best interests at heart. He is a God who is good, who is faithful, who has a plan, who is leading me forward. And I'm going to lean into him. And then at the right time, he opened up this role at Northside and here I am and the rest is history. And I thought, oh God, you were work. You had a, a schedule that you were working to. You had a moment in time that you were preparing me for at just the right time. You were preparing Northside for me to come here and for me to come to Northside at just the right moment in time. And it wasn't a mess. It was all scheduled out. It was all planned out. It felt like a mess to me because I couldn't see what God was doing. But actually God was very deliberate and very faithful and walking me through that whole process. And I learned through that that the belief that I had about God was so important for whether I was going to choose to lean into him in the mess or, or leave him behind and try to sort it out on my own and try to make sense of it on my own. It's so important what we believe about God and it's so important that we be honest with, each, with ourselves and each other about what we're believing about God to test ourselves. Why do I believe that? What do I actually believe about who God is? Because it has such, that's the foundation that we stand on in our faith, what it is that we actually in our heart of hearts believe about who God is. Right. So today, if you are in a mess, I want to tell you that God is present with you that he is faithful to finish what he started and that he loves you, that you're surrounded by his love, that your circumstances are no obstacle to him, for him to finish what he started. Nothing's an obstacle for him to finish what he started. God is up to something with you and in you and it's up to you to choose whether you will pay attention to what he's doing and stay close to him or not. Ask him what he's up to. Tell him that you'd like him to transform you through the mess and to transform the mess rather than letting him go and trying to sort it out yourself. So there's meaning in the mess. Point two, as well as there being meaning in the mess, there is movement to the mess. In other words, God is transforming you into the person that he has created you to be. He has a goal in mind. He has an end point in time when Jesus is returning, when heaven, all things will be new and there'll be heaven effectively, whole and complete. And he is working up until that point of time and everything out, he's got everything kind of scheduled out in a macro view up until that point. He's working in you, everything in your life is preparing you to be ready for that day. It's not purposeless. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's when Jesus returns filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's really important to recognize for all parts of our faith that there is a future orientation to the Christian life and especially to God's transformation of our messes. They're moving forward. He is moving us forward to a certain point through our messes. He's transforming them. He's transforming us into something and someone good and perfect and beautiful, fit for heaven. He has a goal in mind. Something very, he has something very specific in mind that he is transforming our messes into. He is purposeful and deliberate. He starts with the end in mind and he transforms us on schedule so that we will be right and perfect for when Jesus returns. 
Every mess, every situation in your life is preparing you for when Jesus returns. This one commentator put it like this, when thinking about a particular situation, that we could be able to say, without this, I would not be ready for the day of Christ. Without this, I would not be ready for the day of Christ. God has such purpose in every situation in our lives in order to prepare us and make us whole and ready for his return. What that means is that we dare not miss the meaning and the movement of the mess. And instead that we would step into its purpose to be transformed by it, by staying close to God. The mess is vital part of your journey of becoming ready for Jesus' return. The future that the return of Jesus will initiate will be one of perfect love and joy and peace and hope and love will be overwhelming in its goodness and its beauty. And we don't get to experience that in its fullness yet, but we are now citizens of heaven as followers of Jesus. And we do now get to live the life of heaven, the life of the future in the present. And by God's power to start becoming whole and pure and blameless and perfect and totally aligned with God now. We get to start that journey now. And God uses our messes to start to bring about that transformation in us and in our lives. Now, Paul is clear that this is a process. Is there anyone else here who is a, um, a goal-oriented overachiever who's more interested in the destination than the journey? No, no one? Yeah, okay, come on, be real, be real, yes. Yeah, I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised. Sometimes we just want the destination, we're not so interested in the journey, just get me there already. There's the goal, I know where I'm going, I'm going to hit that goal and I um, don't really care about the journey to get there, I just want to be there already. Now, I'm sorry to break it to you, um, but character change doesn't happen like that. Transformation is a process. It's a journey. Sometimes, sometimes God will do it overnight, I suppose. You hear stories like this, but most of the time, the way that God works is he slowly changes us bit by bit by bit. We grow one degree a year, maybe. <laughs> little bit by little bit, he transforms us. You know, I heard it said once that God is after plodders, <laughs> not necessarily sprinters, plodders, People who will just keep going one step after step after step after step towards Jesus day after day. It might not look exciting. It might not look glamorous, but it's plodding. It's faithful plodding step after step with our God. People who have the courage to stay close to him no matter what life throws at you through thick and thin, plodding along with God, not missing the opportunity to be transformed into who he sees that you could be, not, not missing the opportunity in the mess to be transformed and called up into who he knows that you could be, being prepared for heaven. It's kind of like a puzzle. You know, you get those thousand piece puzzles, you dump it on the table and there's just this mess of uh, puzzle pieces. And then you start to put it together and you might get the frame happening. It still looks like a big old mess. But God has the picture box. God is the sovereign puzzle maker, so good. puzzle putter together, so whatever the word is. He has the picture and he knows what he's making. He has a goal in mind. This is, this is us fully restored when Jesus comes back. And he's putting the pieces of our lives together and he is creating something beautiful out of the mess. Don't ever forget that he has the puzzle box. He knows what we're going to look like and he is purposefully and intentionally putting together the puzzle so that we look whole and perfect, the completed puzzle when Jesus returns. Great. He will transform the messes in your life into this beautiful picture if you walk with him. If you lean into him and don't try to sort it out on your own, because truth be told, we don't have the puzzle box, do we? <laughs> God is the only one who has the puzzle box. 
Here's the picture. He's future-oriented in his transformation of our lives. Can I ask you, when was the last time that you thought about God having a goal in mind or God being future-oriented when it comes to your life and what he's doing in your life, the transformation of, of you and your life, that he's preparing you for the day that Jesus returns? How might, how might that change the way that you think about your current circumstances? Bring to mind now just, say, one, one thing that's going on in your life that's a bit of a mess. How might, that, how might this reality that God is future-oriented, that he has the puzzle box, change the way that you think about that situation? Does that help you to see more of God's purposefulness in that? Would it compel you to continue walking with him, to allow him to transform the mess so that it transforms you rather than trying to fix it yourself. So there is meaning in the mess and there is movement to the mess. Now you might be thinking that is all well and good but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how overwhelming this is. Even those two truths to cling to, there's meaning in the mess and there's movement to the mess. That's just a bit too much for me today with what I've woken up to this morning, with what I'm going through in my life at the moment. It's just like I've been plunged into the darkness. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way is down. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm thinking. I can't make sense of everything in this acute mess that I'm in the middle of. I don't even have the strength to take hold of those truths. And when we're in messes, it can feel like that, can't it? So disorienting. Everything that you've ever known gets thrown up in the air and you start to question who you are, who God is, what's going on. It can be really, really confusing. We can't see the light and it feels like God has plunged us into the darkness. I want to suggest this morning that if it feels that way to you, if it feels that way, perhaps it's because you are like a seed that God has plunged deep into the soil where it's dark. And even though you can't see it, there in the darkness, the love of God surrounds you like the soil surrounds the seed. And as you rest in him, as you trust in him, as you let him hold you, as you cling to him, at the right time, the scripture tells us that he makes everything beautiful in its time. At the right time, you will start to see new life emerge above the surface of your life as new shoots start to emerge from the seed. God uses messes to activate new growth in our lives, new life in our lives. It plunges us deeper into his love through messes deeper into his presence so that we might grow up into all that he has designed us to be. When you're in the darkness and you can't see, know that you are completely surrounded by the love of Jesus. And that's the best place you can be. He holds you even in the darkness as the soil holds a seed. The best force for renewal in your life is the love of Jesus holding you. Just stay with him. Strap yourself to the mast of knowing that there's meaning in the mess and movement to the mess. And just stay with him. Let him hold you in his love.
completely surrounded. The result of all of this, if you've got your Bibles there, verse 11, is that God's goodness will be displayed in your life. When these new shoots are seen above the surface of your life, people will see the power of God to tra- the power of God that's transforming you and transforming your life. People will see that it's the strength of God and not you. The power of God to transform the mess into something beautiful. If you just stay in him. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for people who will keep going with him through thick and thin with a perseverance that rests in his perseverance towards you. Sometimes we just need to keep holding on, keep plodding, trusting that he's with us even when there are no signs, even when everything just seems darkness. Trusting that he is faithful, that he is good, that he is dependable, and that one day there will be new evidence of life through his loving power. Can I ask you this morning, what is it that you believe about who God is? Do you believe that he's with you in the midst of the tensions and the messes in your life? Do you believe that he's able to transform dissonance into harmony? Do you believe that he's able to bring new life from a seed planted in the soil through your life, even when all around you seems darkness and there seems to be no sense of anything? Do you believe he's a good person to have by your side? Is he someone you want to walk with? Do you have a confidence that he's up to something in your, in your mess, moving your mess forward to transform you, to get you ready for heaven? We've all got a choice this morning. You can turn and try to resolve your mess on your own, saying, it's okay, God, I've got it. I'll sort it out. Or just drifting away from him to try to manage and resolve the tension yourself. Or you can accept and rest in the loving presence of God. Allowing him to transform you and the mess in his time to bring new life in his time. As a part of his loving project of restoration to get you ready for heaven. I'm going to leave some silence now. I'm going to ask, and I want to ask that as I do, would you ask him to come and transform you through the mess and to transform the mess? And if you're not a Christian this morning, if this is all new, uh, can I ask that you would give some thought to these words, give some thought to what I've said uh, about God? What, it w- what would it be like if there, if there were someone um, who were walking alongside you in your mess who had the power to transform you through it? What might that be like? So I'm going to leave some silence for reflection and then I'll close in prayer. God, I want to thank you that even as we sit here now, we are completely surrounded by your love, your loving presence. That we are held by you, that we are held in you, God. And God, we just come before you now and we just present our lives to you. We rest them in you. God, would you come and transform us? Would you make us ready for heaven, God? We give you the messes in our lives. We give you the dissonance. We give you the tension. 
And God, instead of leaving your side to sort it out on our own, we choose to stay with you, God. We choose to trust that you're good, that you're dependable, that you don't let us down, you don't fail us, you don't set us up to fail. We choose to plod along with you, Jesus, to take hold of your power, to transform us through the mess, to stay in the tension, God, that you might transform us through it. Would you lead us on, God? Would you give us wisdom as we navigate our messes? Transform us with your love, God. We look forward to the future when all will be right and all will be well. When all will be perfect, God. When there will be perfect harmony. Thank you, God, for the beauty of your kingdom that we see coming. Thank you, God, for the beauty of harmony. We look forward to that day, God, and we ask that you would bring it into our present experience, that you would transform our dissonance into harmony, God. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.